0: You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host, Joe Applebaum Potomac Companies, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, Alec Bartholomus, People Stretch Solutions, Gail Chambers, Holmes, Larry Horn, Johnson, Nick Gurig, Redmond, Payton, and Braswell, and Sharon Riccardi, FEC Bank. And our lineup of guests today includes Chris Krebs, President of Novus Building Services, followed by Dorothy Kaczynski, Director and CEO of the Phillips Collection, Bob Sprague, President and CEO of Yes, and, and Michael Niggle, who is the CEO of Act One. And let's get to know our first guest, Chris Krebs, President of Novus Building Services. Chris, what is Novus Building Services? We're
1: a multifamily residential interior non structural unit renovation company.
0: How large or how small is the team? About 42 employees. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And how'd you get a job with this company?
1: I founded the company in 2011.
0: Uh-huh. How old were you when you started this business? Thirty-two. Uh huh. And where'd you grow up? The Deep South,
1: seven, six different states.
0: You moved a whole mess of times as a kid, huh? I did. Uh huh. Alex,
2: Chris, how did you
1: integrate uh, into school and the neighborhood
2: moving so much?
1: The first thing we did was sports, um, and then it moved on to there to, to school. So what sports you play? Soccer, football, and baseball.
2: What was your favorite?
1: Favorite is soccer. Okay, what'd you like about it so much? I liked the team atmosphere. I liked being able to see the field and uh, be able to make moves before, uh, before the opponent did.
2: Okay, and how do, playing soccer and your love of it, how, did, how does that impact your business today?
1: Uh, organically, we have to develop the team over time. Uh, in the essence, nothing can happen or nothing does happen uh, dramatically, uh, so it helps in the team building aspect.
2: Okay, so you got to build the team. Now, thinking back, what impact did your dad have on you?
1: Well, dad was gone a lot. He's stoic, uh, Air Force pilot, F-16. Uh, he forced me into perfection. And I say that uh, uh, with all due respect, uh, that was a lifestyle. How, how did he do that? Well, he was gone a lot. Wasn't uh, there something about a film?
0: Wasn't there a film you guys watched together? What was that about? In
1: Phoenix, Arizona, we played for the state championship, and I missed a penalty kick that uh, cost us the series. Well, how do you know that? We watched film on it after the game. Oh, your dad had you review the film? Yes. How'd that make you feel? I set my expectation that uh, we can we can down to the last detail. We can practice and get better.
0: Mm-hmm. Gail.
3: So, how old were you when you first started making money? Eighth grade. And, and what what did you do? What was your first venture?
1: Mowing lawns.
3: And did, who did someone do it with you?
1: My my older brother came with me. Yes.
3: So you convinced your older brother to join this business venture with you. What what is that? How has that helped you with team building and with your company today?
1: Well, I think uh, there's. I, I'm one of the youngest members of our team, especially mid-level to executive staff and it, it helps me uh, understand and listen to people with experiences and then uh, help, help guide the decision making.
0: You're a natural team builder. You manage to suck your other, your older brother into mowing lawns with you, and you're the youngest, you're one of the youngest members of your executive team. It's interesting that you're comfortable working with older folks, Sharon.
4: Between you and your brother, what, who influenced you? Did you have more influence from your, from your dad, and, and did he have more influ- influence from your mom, or where did the personalities come
1: from? I believe my brother influenced me more than I influenced him. Uh, I learned from him. I learned from my father. I learned to listen from my mother.
0: Hmm. You learned to listen?
1: I did. Mm -hmm. Mom's compassionate uh, yet extremely disciplined.
0: What do you bring from mom to work every
1: day? Ultimate discipline. Mm. She used Mm-hmm, okay, she used to uh, make the house back up every night after we went to bed, so we started from exactly the same point every morning. uh-huh
0: how's that influencing you nowadays?
1: Uh, culture of discipline we're we're running it through the company uh and constant iteration
5: uh-huh
0: and what, what, what do you bring from dad to work every day
1: uh the The never fail attitude and attention to absolute detail
0: uh-huh Nick.
6: Uh, you mentioned in the green room that uh, you kind of create the storm and are, and are restless. Um, is, a, is that a characteristic that you still have today?
1: Absolutely. It's hard for me to sit still.
6: And how does that impact you know, your complacency with the size of your business?
1: Well, as my bandwidth is opening up because I'm getting the right team members or we're getting the right team members on, it's, it's letting me explore ways to make the company better, the culture better. Hmm. John.
7: Chris, uh, you said after college you went to work on Wall Street. How did that affect you?
1: I had an internship with Robertson Stevens, and then I actually sold for John Hancock, and it's just like the movies, 220 cold calls a day. Uh, learned me. It taught me how to accept no.
2: Mm-hmm. Who's got the next question? Go back to your brother. Uh, you didn't get a chance to share his influence on you. Can you be specific about
1: what you learned from him yeah what he did to you well i was lucky enough to practice with all of his teams growing up and he was not easy on me
0: i forced right, 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 how right. that you, make you feel yeah, wait, I mean, you, you learned you you played with your brother's teams they were older the, how, how young were you when you were playing with the older teams how much older were they I, i'm 21 months younger so when you were a kid that made, that was a pretty significant difference it was and what sport were you playing with them soccer, uh,
1: baseball, and backyard football. We weren't allowed to play. Uh, so how were,
7: you able
0: to keep, how were you able to keep up with them?
1: I had to learn quickly, and it was painful. What are you talking about? Uh, skill set, uh, uh, being able to react in a situation to people that are quicker than me. You get beat
0: up? All the time. How would that make you feel? Or what would you learn from getting beat up that helps you build the business? Uh, endurance. Is there really I mean is there really a connection there am I putting words in your mouth there is a connection of what Give me I've that failed again. many many times in business wait a minute wait should you be admitting that on the air though I mean there's a lot of people <laughs> listening to this do you really want to talk about that absolutely why failure
1: is the is a cornerstone of perceived
0: success what are you talking about I thought you know you're a successful entrepreneur it's comp- this company's 42 what are you talking about
1: this has been organic just like building a team uh, it has not been dramatic we've been through iterations and it's been uh, culturally financially
0: painful Wait a- and minute. wonderful at the same time so you're telling me that you, you, you always haven't made a ton of money there were some bad times there there are some bad
1: times and some uh, poor decisions that lead to uh,
0: change should you, I mean, should you be admitting that on the air? I mean, I, I read about CEOs on the, you know, and they're like, you know, you never hear good things about CEOs. You don't really hear about CEOs being vulnerable, though. Vulnerability is a word that I just learned
1: nine months ago, uh, but I'm, I'm recognizing it now that I need help to grow this company. Really? Absolutely.
2: What sure. caused nine months ago for you to become aware of it?
1: Uh, some personal situations and then some cultural changes within the company.
2: Um, Maybe you want to talk about the cultural change that's bothered you the most?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I I ran the company with, um, not with with an iron fist, uh, more ebbed and flowed uh, according to my emotion rather than a zero or one in discipline.
2: So who did you learn to run the company? F- based on emotion? Who
0: taught you uh,
1: it, it, was, it was, again, just a learned behavior
0: so over you're, time. So you're learning as the organization grows from stage one to stage two, you've got a shift in terms of being a leader? Correct. What are you talking about there? What do you mean? Well, uh, me being the sole owner of, of all the entities,
1: my personal life can infiltrate the company quickly, and I've learned to separate that. Um, on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm are you kind
6: of going back and watching that video of the missed penalty kick over and over again in respect to the way you handled the business before and now what you're gonna do to change it
1: yes I lost the attention to detail although we were successful on many levels the the detail was gone for a while
0: wasn't there something about football that you, you know you guys know each other for a long time uh. so
1: if Chris you played
6: football um at virginia tech um athletic scholarship and i was surprised to hear that you preferred soccer um wh- wh- what is it about soccer that, that you liked so-
1: soccer to me is is constant motion and that flows into that storm that i've created I, I i don't like sitting still i didn't like the timeouts i didn't like the huddles i like to to be on the move my mind doesn't stop Mm-hmm. You married or single? I am divorced
0: with oh, two children. I see. How old are the kids? Seven and five. Similarity between being a dad and being the president of Novus Building Services. What is it? I cannot treat my children
1: like employees. What are you talking about? Although I do listen to them. Mm
0: -hmm. What's the website address of Novus Building Services? NovusBuild.com. Let me have that one more time. NovusBuild.com. We've been speaking with Chris Krebs, president of Novus Building Services here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, it's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loud and Free Clinic and you were telling me there's something special about the Loudoun Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about?
8: Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care.
0: And what kind of clinic is this? Who are you you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do?
8: So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about
0: the math again. Give me how that works.
8: So essentially, I have a a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients.
0: Because you've been able
8: to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of healthcare down and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of the the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest.
0: And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you tell me you had a couple of healthcare challenges yourself, what were they?
8: I have, I've had four open heart surgeries and Mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about, what do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus and how we deliver care differently than most people would. What would you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family— all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them.
0: What's the website address for the Loudoun Free Clinic?
8: Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org.
0: We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And w- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage
9: uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia.
0: National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself
9: is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land
0: wow this is a large organization isn't it it is very large Uh uh-huh and what's your role in the organization
9: i'm the general manager and i have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur
0: well what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive
9: community members and a, and a full uh, staff of two hundred and ten do their daily jobs.
0: So, how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis, or daily basis, or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a
9: weekly basis, on a full house, we'll have uh, nine hundred per night, um, seven
0: nights, uh, sixty three hundred, which translates to about twenty thousand meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working 9 to 5, or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that?
9: No, I'd say I'm always on duty.
0: Uh-huh. Do you w- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality
9: people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients. Cause they're wonderful.
0: So you're helping your
9: clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh,
0: weddings and such. So you're, you're running a 24-by-7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization?
9: Conferencecenter.com.
0: Let me have that again conferencecenter.com and your name again is Jeff Lawson and the name of the organization Lakota Hotels and Resorts and this has been your Business Spotlight we're back you're listening to to Executive Leaders Radio this is your host Herb Cohen we'd like to introduce Dorothy Kaczynski who is the director and CEO of the Phillips Collection Dorothy what is the Phillips Collection what are you guys doing
10: we're a museum in Washington D.C. private institution founded almost a hundred years ago by Duncan Phillips we're America's first museum of modern art
0: Wow. And uh, where are you from originally?
10: Uh, Yalesville, Connecticut, very rural part of Connecticut.
0: Uh How many brothers and sisters?
10: I had three older brothers.
0: So you're the youngest of four. And uh, what was going on with you, 8 to 14 years old?
10: Uh, Going to school, um, doing a lot of chores on our four acres, picking bushels of tomatoes and plucking grubs from the cabbages. Uh Uh-huh. Gail?
3: So, how did that lifestyle affect uh, your work today or your role at the Phillips Collection today?
10: Um, attention to detail, patience, resilience, uh, self reliance, um, maybe perseverance. Mm-hmm,
0: a lot of stuff there. Sharon.
4: Yes, Dorothy said that in the green room that you were spending a lot of time in the garden with your dad what about your mom what what's the relationships with your mom dad
10: but what is what is your yeah what was going on there well, my dad was off working um most of the time mom was at home tending to this complex um i think unusual rural environment um i, th- I actually think of myself rather being alone or with my uh, my next brother Uh, Doing those chores on our own Mm -hmm. kind of contributing to the household Nick
6: Um, How did you uh, from from that? You know kind of growing up doing the picking of the vegetables and all that. How did you get into the arts?
10: Um, Probably the biggest influence comes from my oldest brother older by almost 20 years and his wife He's an architect. She's a French professor Um, She was from Hungary originally, so there was this sense of new worlds, um, new dimensions. Um, Dorothy, you told us this great story about a trip that your oldest brother took. Yeah, it was just after they got married, so we're talking early 1960s, and they're off to live in France for a couple of years, and it was kind of this huge... A transformative experience of sort of waving them off when they got on this, you know, Flandria ocean liner to, to go to Paris.
2: But you kind of describe what sense did that have on you as you depart, they departed.
10: Totally, you know, doors opening to new worlds, new dimensions, living abroad, speaking other languages. I got from them at least monthly wonderful postcards, cathedrals, museums, villages, and anecdotes um, of their experiences. So there was this sense of, uh, dramatic sense of worlds beyond that, those four acres where uh, my early life was focused.
2: And what impact did that have on your development and decisions about where you wanted to go to college?
10: Well, that's, you know, so two of my older brothers went to Yale College, and um, there was this sense of um, when, when it was possible for a woman to go to Yale, well, sh- sure, I'm going to do that, too, Are but I have that, to attribute... Were you not supposed to go to college? Um... I think there was some small question posed, um, like you know maybe maybe you know you take it easy, but I mean I was um, determined to have the same opportunities and uh, the same. Do I get a
0: uh, do I get a competitive thing going on with you? Oh, I, I think so. Where where's that coming from?
10: Well, if you're the only girl and you're you're the youngest, there's the sense of, um, you know, a determination to have those opportunities privileges or challenges just as well right. so how do you
6: go from picking vegetables I mean what what was your avenue your pathway to get from Picking vegetables in your upbringing to the to the world beyond. What how did how did you get there? Was that through education?
10: Yes. Well, I, we can quote my father: "Education, education, education." So you know, he was a he worked in restaurants. My parents didn't go to college, and there was this. He intoned the importance of that as a path forward.
6: And how far did you go in your education?
10: Um, I have a PhD. So all the way. All the way. You know. Why the arts? Um, well, it goes back to. Um, those doors that were open to me to see the, the potential and the beauty of, of the arts. I do believe that arts and humanities are a basic um, um, public good, education, arts, humanities. It's, it opens doors for other people as well.
2: At what point did you develop that view,
10: looking back? In college? Th- after college? I think in college already, or maybe even in high school. I ended up being the editor-in-chief of the paper. Um, it was I took that very seriously, and when I look back at some of my editorial work, it, I'm surprised they published some of these things uh, monthly in the local... Why were you surprised? I, I think, I, first of all, I espoused those views, that passion about the importance of... Education, arts, um, uh, the social um, uh, impact—very clearly.
0: Wow! So you really, you really had a vision for yourself as a young girl.
10: Um, I guess I did. Uh huh, John. Dorothy, you said in the green room that you had
7: to make do, make more with less. How does that translate to your role as CEO and director of the Phillips Collection?
10: Yeah, I think I, I. it took in very seriously those early lessons that I didn't understand then about preserving things and ecological soundness, no waste, and the Phillips collection is a noble institution that's woefully underfunded, and it's my job to find those resources, but also to encourage my staff um, to be nimble and creative, and not be burdened by um, a, a want of some resources. Dorothy,
0: does me. this feel like a job for you?
10: Oh, so, believe me. Uh, uh-huh. When people say, "Oh, you have the best job in in the world," uh-huh. except on on the days when it isn't there. You know, um, it's a passion for you. Though, it is isn't a passion. Uh-huh. I think you have to be passionate because a big, huge part of my job is fundraising. Mm-hmm. of Of convincing people of what I know to be absolutely true and to be able to absorb people's knows. And and what
2: do you know to be true? What are you convincing them of that that
10: you know to be true? That a museum or a library or a school is um, fundamental to the wellness of our society. Wow.
2: And that's a lot of pressure. If you look back early on from 8 to 14, when did you start developing the ability to manage the pressure?
10: I, well, I, I was a very serious student. That was almost a refuge for me in the sense that I think I grew up in a rather isolated way vis-a-vis friends or other activities. Um, so I think, you know, I, I took refuge in books um, and I built my, my life. I built a, um, a way of existing sort of with and despite the environment around me.
2: And how do you deal with the isolation of being a CEO for such a prestigious organization?
10: That's a really good question. So I made a big switch from a life as a a curator in the States and in Europe over many decades, and I decided I wanted to run a shop. Um, And the people said, well, how does it feel, this, this new role? And the thing that I said surprised me the most was that isolation. What's the what's the website address of the Phillips Collection? It's phillipscollection.org. Let me have that one more time PhillipsCollection.org. We're speaking with
0: Dorothy Kaczynski, who's the director and CEO of the Phillips Collection here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment, right after this break. One help building your business with help from this show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is Bridget Brown. And Bridget, what organization are you with?
5: Swing Space.
0: And I understand swing, place, swing Space is a pretty innovative idea, and tell me it's an online business, but it's fixing something that's not working currently, or it's not working very well, what is that?
5: Correct, um, so the real estate market right now is a little bit broken for a small business, trying to find office space. Whether they can't connect or follow through with brokers to find smaller space. So we post small office space online so tenants can find it directly.
0: So if I'm looking for a little bit of office space that sometimes nobody wants to bother with, you're telling me that you're making the process easy?
5: Correct, and the leasing process easy as well.
0: What do you mean you're making the leasing process easy too?
5: So we normally, uh, Mm -hmm. traditional, traditional,
0: Mm-hmm, brokers,
5: brokers. Yeah, so it b- takes it's a pretty a complicated process. A so yeah. you're
0: just you're automating the whole process. You're helping me find the space, or if I've got some space that I want to sublet, you're helping me list it. So you're helping the person who wants to has the supply as well as the person that has the demand of small spaces, small commercial spaces. Correct. And we're it. we're
5: making the process faster. So normally to do a small deal like that, it takes just as much much time to do a ninety thousand square foot deal. And now we want the turnover time to be a couple of days.
0: So, have you guys has this big, has this matching process uh, begun? It's like Uber for all intents and purposes. You know, you're it's like Airbnb, correct? It's like eBay, space. it's like Amazon. You're helping make it easy for me to get what I need, or for me to sell something, for me to put it up on the market. You're just you're doing it really. What's the website address for this organization?
5: Swingspace.com. Let
0: me have that one more time.
5: Swingspace.com.
0: And your name again? Bridget Brown. And let me have the website one more time.
5: Swingspace.com.
0: And this has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Chuck Ockletree. And Chuck, what organization are you with?
7: The National Conference Center and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And
0: what makes this organization special?
7: The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue, um, it's not a traditional hotel. Mm-hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, mm-hmm. because of our size, mm-hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the Corporate 100, Corporate 500, as well as, uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. We do a lot of business with Washington, D.C., uh, government agencies. Mm-hmm. And what do you like about your job? What I like about is uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you nine personally? What, what do
0: you enjoy about your job?
7: I enjoy that, that we've uh, had a very, very, very successful turnaround in mm-hmm. uh, the two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in mm-hmm. 2014 with Excellent. the new, uh, new ownership. We've mm-hmm. literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's that mean? It, good question. It means that... Uh, uh, we're involved with branding, uh, mm-hmm. everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and um, the business development. So you're actually National going Conference. out there
0: and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And sir. I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients, making sure that you know your services are valuable.
7: We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, Super. events What's as well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com Let me know that one more time. www.conferencecenter.com
0: This has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Bob Sprague, president and CEO of Yes End. Bob, what is Yes and?
11: Yes End is a performance-driven marketing agency.
0: What do you mean by that? A couple
11: of things for us. Uh, for one thing, the background that a lot of us share is in the performing arts, and we bring that sensibility, I think, to the marketing work we do. Secondly, the, the great trend in marketing now is... The uh, measurement of return on investment so making sure that campaigns perform on the basis uh, for their clients
0: uh how large or how small is this organization
11: we're about 70 right now
0: uh-huh and how'd you get a job with this company
11: i founded it in 1986
0: you founded this business uh-huh and where you're from originally
11: i was born in the district of columbia and mm-hmm. grew up in bethesda
0: and how many brothers and sisters? I've got two younger brothers. So you're the oldest of three, huh? Yes, I am. What was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? Was it sports? Was it making money? Was it What was going on with you?
11: It was all music. It was the uh, heyday of the progressive rock band, and that's what we were doing. We were making bands and making music and writing our own stuff. And
0: when you say around. we, is this you and your family, you and friends? What's that look like?
11: Uh, my brother is an excellent and remains an excellent guitarist, and we had a lot of friends who were also into music.
0: Uh-huh, and what what instrument did you play?
11: I was the keyboardist.
0: And what was your role in, in these bands? What was the common thread you had in these different bands?
11: I uh, usually took the role of music director, which is somebody who sort of organizes what everything else is going on, does a lot of the writing, a lot of the arranging, a lot of the deciding who's going to do what.
0: Oh, so you were the CEO of the bands. In a way. Okay, but you were calling yourself the music director. But is that is that a fair personality trait, you know, that, that we're talking about, where you were helping organize everything and stuff?
11: Yes, I think, I think that's always been something I've been interested in. It, there's a behind-the-scenes aspect to it when you're the keyboard player well, as opposed to the front man.
0: So you weren't the kind, you, you're not the kind of boss that yells at people and tells them to do this or get out of my band.
11: No, uh, you have to do a lot of uh, politics in a band where really people are, equal partners even if somebody's uh, nominally in charge.
0: Uh-huh. What's that have to do with uh, business?
11: I think, I think a lot. I think uh, anytime you're doing music um, you are relating to an audience. You're trying to deliver the audience something that it wants and in business you have a million audiences. You have your c- customers and clients, you have the public, you have the media, you have your own employees, you have your
0: business partners uh, when you were playing in the band, did you really care what your audience thought? Absolutely. How'd you know what the audience thought? You listen. You What's that have to do with uh, developing a campaign for a client?
11: Everything. What do you mean? Well, if you're uh, not listening very carefully to what your target
0: audience is now i understand why you've grown to 70 people because you want to measure the effect that just the same thing you were doing when you were playing in a band you wanted to watch the audience's reaction that's what you're doing for your clients nowadays very much so sharon bob
4: how um w- what did your mom and dad do what did each one of them do
11: uh my mom uh, worked in the home as they say these days and my dad was a broadcaster
4: and who was the biggest influence out of the two of them for you
11: it would be hard to say. They both had tremendous influence. Uh, you know, my father was the professional. He was out there uh, working and, and doing a high-pressure job, but my mother was organizing the complex industry that uh, raising three kids, especially three boys, can, uh, can be, and so... Uh, uh, Mm-hmm. I, I think they both had a profound effect on, uh, on how I do so You have this
4: creative component in you. Where does that come from?
11: Both of them. My mother was an excellent pianist and singer and uh, always did it uh, as an avocation. And my dad, uh, actually, his original career was drama and uh, was an enthusiastic amateur musician as well.
2: But, Bob, you said your dad was a broadcaster. In those years, wh- what's the most important thing you took away uh, f- from your dad being a broadcaster?
11: Uh, I think he had that same uh, sensitivity to the audience when you're, even when you're behind a TV camera or a a radio microphone, you have to know what effect you're having on people even at a remote distance and he also was insatiably curious. He always wanted to know uh, more about you and more about what was going on so that he could
2: uh, report on it. So, when you talk about the audience, can you think back a time as you were growing up when you didn't connect with the audience? What impact did that have on you?
11: I think it was it was very telling. I, I think uh, we all tend to uh, assume we know what we want to say, and it can be humbling to realize that just because you want to say it doesn't mean someone else wants to listen.
2: But and uh, and in the green room, we noticed you're very humble. How have you translated that humility that you learned into your business success?
0: Oh, I thank you. That's very nice. Um, I think. Uh, I think that was from the very beginning because he mentioned he was the keyboard player leading from behind. Did you say something like that? Earlier?
11: Yeah, yeah. You're uh, you're you're definitely when you're a keyboard player, you're kind of stuck. Even though it was the day of the Keith Emersons and Rick Wakeman, and <laughs> we had those people <laughs> to look up to. But in general, you're stuck back behind a mound of uh, mm-hmm. of equipment, and uh, you're you're pulling the switches and making mm-hmm. the things go a little bit. But it's mm-hmm. it's more Nick. orchestrating it from behind.
6: So so Bob, you. you've you've mentioned a lot about the creative side but you know in in your business and and as ceo i mean you're also you have this intellectual side who do you think you get that from uh well my mother
11: was about the smartest person I've ever met. Wait, wait, wait Your mother was a home your, m-
0: your mother was a homemaker. What are you talking about? The I have tremendous
11: have. respect for people who make homes, and it's a Tell me multifaceted more about that. job. What do you
0: mean by that? Tell me more about your that.
11: scheduling. You're doing logistics. You're doing supply. You're doing economics, uh, and you're trying to
0: make all ah, that work. Ah, uh, now I see what you mean. I see. Your mother also was a masterful juggler, too. It sounds like absolutely. Ah, interesting. Gail. She ran say? the business from behind the
4: she scenes.
11: Did. So. <laughs> Not <laughs> to like mention that when my youngest brother went to high school, she went back and learnt, taught herself uh, COBOL programming and did that for the rest oh of Oh, my,
0: my life. gosh. Your mom is evolving, too. <laughs> Gail.
3: So it sounds like your parents were a strong influence on you, but was there someone else in your life, in your young life, that was an influence on you?
0: There was.
11: My junior high school band director had a tremendous influence, and he was a first call trumpet player in Washington here. So he brought that professionalism. Uh, and when you were in his band, you showed up on time, you knew your music, you had your instrument ready to go, you didn't make mistakes, uh, you were expected to perform at a very high level, and uh, you heard about it if you didn't. So and that taught me a lot about uh, about being accountable and being ready to go.
3: So is that how it's helped you today with learning about accountability? And how is that translated into your business?
11: I think so. It's 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 preparation, it's rehearsal, it's practice, so that by the time your your curtain goes up, you're ready to really deliver.
7: Mm-hmm. John. Hey Bob. So, how did you transition from music into marketing?
11: It was uh, it was pretty gradual, but the actual original purpose of the company was to do music for film and jingles, and we did a lot of that for you know even Subaru and McDonald's and things early on, and as time went on found that a lot of the same skills translated to a variety of marketing activities.
0: What, 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 what do you mean that translated to, what, what are we talking about the translation there? What do you mean?
11: Well, again, uh, as, as I've said, the music, uh, the, the emphasis on listening, listening well and translating what you hear into something that delivers a message, gives people pleasure is what marketing is really all about.
4: Sharon, what else you thinking? Well, what I hear you saying is that creative gene just is so strong that you just, take it to the next level each time.
11: Can't help it. Gotta do it different. Even if it worked last time, it's there's a lot of motivation to try something new and see what happens.
2: But also it sounds like across high school and maybe college there was there was building of your music career. Can you talk a little bit about how you advanced and the, the, the building aspect of your music career?
11: Well I think when you talk about building a band and some of the work that I was doing, it was a lot about making stuff. I mean, I was really into music composition. That was my degree in school. And I'm sort of in my third career now, but I'm still building. In this case, I'm building a, an agency.
2: Now, as you were building, what was your biggest challenge in your first career?
11: Um, I think music, which was my first career, is a, a very demanding uh pursuit where you don't get a lot of good feedback a lot of the time. You're often in a place where uh, where you're not getting that feedback from the audience and uh, I can't say I really got much out of traveling all the time and some of the other things that go along with
2: music. What impact nature. did traveling all the time have on you?
11: Uh, again, I, I, I didn't have the opportunity to do the building and the creation and the things that I like to do. It was doing the same thing night after night after night after night in a different uh, venue and I missed the bit of being able to sit back and really create something new and beautiful so you
0: uh, like innovation your nature is to continue to innovate to keep creating change you You don't want to do the same thing over and over again so I can understand why you enjoy sitting with clients and helping them figure out what's next
11: that's right I think uh, I think it's it's and it's and it's part of being an artist I think is if you do the same thing that everybody else does you don't attract any attention same thing in marketing if you do the same thing that everybody else does it doesn't work so the ability to look at circumstances and come up with something that is different but still right
2: how are you keeping things fresh as a ceo just to stay focused and not work on your fourth career
11: Uh, marketing is in the midst of a revolution Uh, i can't tell you how much i've learned in the last year about digital marketing and analytics and behavioral science and the effect that that's having on the way marketing is done. So Mm -hmm. I'm learning myself and I'm pushing everybody around me to say, you're in the same place you were a year ago, you're, you're yep.
0: really... Uh, What's the website address for yes for the Yes End?
11: It is uh, yesandagency.com
0: Let me spelled help. out. Let me have that one more time.
11: Yesandagency.com. We've
0: been speaking with Bob Sprague, president and CEO of Yes End, here on Executive Leaders Radio, back in a moment right after this break.
12: And your name is? Ray Briskuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies companies
0: uh-huh so if i go to an event you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen that's correct
12: we're yep. the ones that make sure the food's on the table the seats are there sound, stage, and lights there, your registration process works and, and what kind of events are these are these just in the life science industry strictly in the life science industry
0: why, why do you focus on the life science industry
12: uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customers. So we don't believe in numbers, it's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them.
0: And are you doing this nationally or regionally?
12: We do it nationally. We are continuing to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America.
0: And how old is this company?
12: Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation and I produced the annual event for us and when I decided to leave they said thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business and we'll see you later. Mm -hmm. And Next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. So you've been building building
0: this ever since,
12: what do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician, I might be putting another CEO together with an investor Mm -hmm. and I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. What's the
0: website address for this organization?
12: Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtech Conference.org. .org.
0: And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and Managing Partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight.
13: I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District.
0: Uh, and what is the Boston Business Improvement District?
13: We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epic Center for Research and Discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the Internet, the first satellite. All were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston.
0: How, how old is this organization?
13: We're just, just shy of six years old.
0: How long have you been there? Have you been uh,
13: almost six years as well.
0: Did you found this organization?
13: Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why
0: did mm-hmm. you do that?
13: Well, the the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston.
0: Why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on?
13: <laughs> people. I mean, we the 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 ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that we have incredible minds in the washington dc area and ballston is as i said the epicenter for the smartest people in this area so
0: your job you're like the master connector
13: i feel like the mayor of of the mayor of innovation because that's Uh what's happening
0: so your idea your your thought is in order to create more stuff in order to launch more businesses in order to cause more good it's a matter of connecting the right people
13: Exactly.
0: And you like being in the middle of all that stuff. Oh, we
13: love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art. Uh, through a happy hour mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm-hmm. that's what's exciting
0: so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? hell no
13: it's a lot longer uh-huh. than that baby so
0: do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that
13: sure sure
0: let me have the website address of this sure, it's
13: organization and, and you can download the boston connect mobile app
0: let me have uh, let me have that website address From one more time
13: bostonbid.com
0: It's B-A, give me the spelling on that.
13: B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. your name again is? Tina Leone.
0: And the name of the organization?
13: Is the Balsam Business Improvement District.
0: And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at com. That's mentors at executive leaders radio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Kurt Cohen. We'd like to introduce Michael Niggle, who is the CEO of Act One. Michael, what is Act One? What are you guys doing?
14: Advanced Concepts and Technologies International is a total acquisition management foreign military sales solutions and cyber defense firm. How large or how small is this team? Uh, we're over 250 people. And how'd you get a job with this company? Uh, I founded the firm with a co-founder in uh, 1998.
0: So you founded, you co-founded the firm. And, and um,
14: w- did you uh, move a lot when you were a kid? I did. My dad was in the Air Force, so uh, South Dakota, Colorado, Little Rock, Arkansas.
0: Mm-hmm. You, in the green room, you mentioned that um, you grew up with nothing uh, But it didn't feel it didn't feel to me like you were resentful or even that it bothered you and maybe even that you didn't know What do what you talking, what was that all about?
14: Uh, well, neither one of my parents uh, uh, Were uh, very well educated, but uh, they got together at 19 got married uh, Mom probably finished high school later dad got a GED and uh, We had a big family. We had five kids and uh, every day was a party at the house. I mean, you got seven people living in one small house, one bathroom. It, it gets interesting. Logistics are, are something yeah, wait, wait, different.
0: Wait, 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 hold on. It didn't, didn't it bother you that you guys
14: didn't have a lot of money and that, y- you know, other people had a nicer car? Uh, other people in our neighborhood didn't have a nicer car. We we didn't think about that. We were focused on uh, going to school, playing sports. All right, we're uh, did you, so you, it sounds, it feels to me like you grew up feeling pretty safe. Oh, yeah.
0: You grew up feeling a lot of love. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, my question is, how, how does that love that you grew up with, not feeling you needed anything else, how's that helped you build and shape your business?
14: Um, I think that uh, my job is to help everybody else in the company to achieve what they were, they're were they trying to achieve as well as take care of our customers we're problem solvers. Whoa, That's whoa, what we do. Oh, oh,
0: or do you think you're the older brother or something to the, to the company
14: like you oh, were to your brother? I'm everybody's older brother. What do you mean? Yeah. My job is to take care of them.
2: Alex? So think back growing up. Uh, at what point did you start thinking that it was your job to take care of your siblings? Um,
14: when... Um, uh, probably when I got to be about 12 years old. I matured faster than everybody else uh, around me. So I was the leader of sports teams. I was the leader in school. I was the leader that all my other uh, kids why looked was up that, to. Why was that such an emotional answer for you? Um, because um, I, I don't know. Uh, we... We were struggling at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you know you were struggling at the time? Uh, not really. Uh, a little bit, you know, maybe by the time you get to be 12. But you just took on the responsibility. Yeah, but it was it was natural. It had to be done. Mm-hmm. Other people you've talked to today also worked when they were young kids. You had to go out, do your job, raise some money, so you don't contribute ex- to the family. You don't expect
0: anything from anybody, do
14: you?
2: Oh, no. But at 12... Um, you mentioned in the green room. Were you in Arkansas by then and you actually started noticing how the other half lived?
14: Uh, yeah, we, I uh, We got to Little Rock uh, actually Conway uh, in about 1966 and um, I played on a junior high football team that was almost all African-American and uh, We played both ways back then and uh, I was the only white kid on the starting team and uh i was successful at that and you come to the field and you bring what you've got nick
6: do you think that these experiences i mean you you, you're going you're bouncing from place to place you're always the new kid and you're captain of of the team but and you don't look like everybody i mean how does that how how does that translate to how you deal with your employees
14: Um, well you uh, tend to be very empathetic with folks who came from a different background uh, we have a really interesting mix of people in the company, and uh, they all work hard. They all have different challenges. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter whether they're 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60. Perfect. Every family's got their challenges. Yep. It can be your neighbors. Sharon? Michael, this compassion that's coming out, what, where does it come from? Where is it? Where do you, mm-hmm. where do you attribute to that? Yep. Uh, my um, <coughs> mom and dad are both still alive both doing fairly well Um, mom ran the house just like bob's mom did five kids it's a lot of logistics every morning dad was up gone early dressed the same worked for ibm for a while as a technician blue suit white tie are your parents
0: michael are your parents aware of the success you've had
14: uh marginally
0: what do you mean marginally
14: uh they understand i have a, a good company um we do very well they may or may not uh, check the website and if, see if they, how we're doing if they understood to
0: the extent that you've been successful how do you think they'd feel
14: uh they're proud why they should be they did it
0: <laughs> you did what was what they was it, that, it they did what what do you mean what was it that they did that uh, they
14: raised five kids
0: mm-hmm. gail
3: so relationships, and people, and working with people, that seems very important to you, and it seems that you've learned a lot with the different um, environments that you lived in. How does that help you today?
14: Uh, it's, you know The challenge is uh, getting the best people you can get, and then um, developing them to their best capability, and getting them to work with each other. And I think if, I've done every job in the company, Uh, and still do some of them, uh, including Mm -hmm. close the shop every night. John?
7: Michael, who were your biggest influencers?
14: Uh, Mom and Dad early, and then Dr. Gene Bigler at Hendricks College was a Fulbright scholar and an international affairs guy. He was the one who uh, our seven guys in class um, put together a paper and predicted that uh, a voting behavior prediction Excellent. and wrote a paper and M- helped me get a scholarship michael, to IU. what is the what?
0: website address for uh, act one
14: uh act i.com let me have that one more time alpha charlie tango dash i.com
0: we would speak with michael niggle who is the ceo of act one here on executive leaders radio we've had the opportunity of speaking with Chris Krebs, President Novus Building Services. Dorothy Kaczynski, Director and CEO of the Phillips Collection. Bob Sprague, President and CEO of YesAnd. And and again, most recently, Michael Niggle, who is the CEO of Act One. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, including Joe Applebaum Potomac Companies, John Yetman, Association for Enterprise Growth, Alec Bartholomus, People Stretch Solutions, Gail Chambers, Holmes, Lowry, Horn, Johnson, Nick Gurig, Redmond, Payton, and Braswell, Sharon Riccardi, FPC Bank, for giving me a hand structuring uh, the questions, hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening, because without you, we wouldn't have a radio show. And don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. That's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn a bit more about our executive leaders, we appreciate you joining us today. and Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.